With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Welcome to episode seven of my Everton podcast and in a week when two nicknames, Bama and Moisey, have arrived at Everton, we'll be hearing from a couple of old ones, Waggy and Gazza, later in the show. Yes, we'll hear from Paul Gascoigne and Dave Watson about their time at Everton and a few funny stories along the way, as you can imagine. I'll also be speaking with Dan Meese, the architect behind Everton's new Bramley Moor Dock Stadium. He tells us about the special relationship he's built up with the Evertonians. Well, that's all to come, but as always, we'll start with our regular conversation about what's happening in and around Everton at the moment. And what a week it's been for signings. We've had Jean-Philippe Gibamin and Moise Keane arriving at the club and uh, also a couple of uh, pre-season friendlies. Uh, we're going to be looking forward as well to the transfer deadline day, uh, which is in a few days' time. And also, um, we're going to be looking forward to the opening game of the season against Crystal Palace. And to do all that with me, alongside me, I have the Echo's Everton reporter, Sam Carroll, and also Ian Kroll from the Liverpool Echo, also the host of View from the Gladys Street. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So first of all, let's start then, and where better place to start on the back of a couple of hours ago, um, Moise Keane? Is that where do you think that stands as a as a, a signing? I think probably for me, it's probably the most excited I've been about the transfer since we signed the Kaku yeah, on a permanent in, in 2014. Just because I remember getting home, got home from footy, and my dad was like, "Everton have signed the Kaku for 28 million," and I literally. Couldn't believe it. I didn't think Everton had like those kind of finances. I didn't think we'd have had the kind of the sway to persuade Lukaku to to join on a permanent. And I think it's the same kind of transfer now, isn't it? You know, we we we've went to Juventus, and you know, not even the kind of same as like Dean and Gomez from Barcelona, was it? You know, it's it's a young lad who was who's just kind of starting out in his career, and obviously has bags of potential from everything that I've kind of seen and and read about him, and, and we've somehow managed to. To land him on a, in a pretty you know modest fee when you consider some of the well, when you consider the Harry Maguire is worth eighty five million you know so yeah it's just it's it's a massive transfer for Everton I think it's definitely the most exciting one that they've made so far for me even more exciting than Richarlison was as well because I think we knew a bit more about him after a season in the Premier League and uh, and I think it's made even more interesting now by the fact you know we haven't scored many goals in pre season and f- from what I can see he's going to get thrown straight in against Palace next weekend and, and what a stage to, to kind of announce yourself to to those travelling Everton fans well, I was going to say in, you know 19 years of age in some ways from a transfer point as, as Sam's just pointed out really it's a great it's a great price because you've got so long with a player like, you know, and he can, he can become whatever he wants to become but is there a bit of caution for a 19 year old that we have to sort of say hang on a minute you know he's 19 yeah of course you know you don't want to hump too much pressure on him he's, he's still a kid still got a lot of ground to do a lot of potential personally I, I can't really say I know too much about him or I've seen much of him play I know what everyone else knows six goals in 13 games for Juve but at the end of the day he's playing for Juventus one of the top teams in Europe if not the world they've won you know consecutive how many 
um, Italian league. So I just think, you know, you know, it's exciting. It is. But we do need to be cautious on them because we don't want to, you know, overburden them with too much pressure. Like Sam just said then, he probably is going to be thrown in because you can see over pre-season, we have struggled with goals. Dominic Carvert-Lewin, as much as he's, uh, you know, the endeavour that he does to, to get those goals, it's just might not have worked. So, you know, whether he's going to be a partner for, for Ken or, or what, I don't know. But both, both of them, you know, exciting prospects, obviously. Is it Moise Ken or Moise Keen? Are we saying it? Well, I, I think I think he's just put something out himself which says Moise Keen. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. Know, I'm happy with Keen. Yeah. Some, <laughs> we'll stick so, with that. Somehow Moise Ken doesn't sound right. No, no. Um, but so 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 we're worried about a 19 year old. But there's a lot of pressure on him because we've been waiting what three years now for a striker yeah. uh, since Lukaku left. Um, you know, can you see Marco Silva's plans coming together now? Yeah, slowly but surely. I think there's uh, a, a lot more to go at the exit door as well. And I think that's when, you know, they'll be a, a lot happier once they've kind of cleared out that dead wood that we've accumulated, you know, and, and I still don't think that will all happen this summer. You know, the, some of the wages they're on, and, you know, we're already seeing with the likes of Sandro Ramirez, you know, people aren't going to take these lads on payment deals because they're, they're on good money. But in terms of the squad that Marco and Marcel have got, I think the impressive thing is you, you can kind of see how they're buying players to fit into a system. You know, it's not just kind of splashing the cash for the sake of it. You know, you can really see that they've got a clear identity. I think Marcel likes having uh, strikers who can play across that front line. You know, Richarlison and Keane can both fit into different roles. They can go central, they can go wide. You know, I think we're getting a nice mix of midfielders from what we've seen of of, of uh, Gabamini. He looks like, you know, more of a ball winner, a, a Fellaini type maybe. You know, whereas Gomez is, you know, a different po- profile to him. Delft's a different profile to him. So I think they're getting a nice bit of versatility in midfield and, and hopefully then a, a centre-back and maybe some cover for Seamus Coleman kind of ties that together. But I think that's what's impressed me most is that the the, the, the money that they're spending, certainly, you know, it's got an end point and it, it's going towards playing in that in that style that, that Marco wants. You know, that high press, high tempo going forward. You know, obviously we haven't seen much of it in pre-season because we haven't had, you know, the likes of of Moise Keane involved. So, you know, it, it might still take a little bit more time, but yeah, certainly a lot more of uh, Marco and, and Marcel's identity. And I think if we get rid of Bessic this summer, I think there's no more Roberto Martinez players kind of left. Ever, you know, so you can kind of say they've firmly moved on from that either. You know, there's only Baines, Coleman left from Moyes now, you know, and, and they're starting to come to the end of, of their careers, you know, and, and a lot of Koeman signings are going to get moved on, so hopefully we'll be sitting here next summer and, you know, after after a positive season and, and we'll have a, a, a full team that, you know, really suits Marco and, and the style he wants to play. Uh, it's a good point. We'll talk about Marcel Brands in a moment because I want to talk about what he's brought to the club and, you know, not only just with the signings but how he's going about his business. But, Ian, you know, as far as what Sam's just alluded to there, picking players for positions and almost picking a team when you're buying players rather than just buying squad players. That, that's got to be right, hasn't it? I think that's important, isn't it? You don't want you know, square pegs and round holes, do you? I think Moise Keane is you know, a brand slash silver signing. You know, he fits the profile, he's young. You know, we've probably got him at a snip, really. You know, who knows what's going to happen in four or five years, but potentially... The sell-on value could be astronomical. It could be up there. Hopefully, you know, he stays for many years to come and he proves successful. Um, but it's it's just going to be it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I, I just find that um, 
if you know if you if you look back at the the Zahar, you know, scenario, what was that? You know, a, a brand's silver profile of a player that they wanted. You know, it's questionable, isn't it? You don't know, but the players that have been brought in so far on the what have clearly been on the shortlist. You know, Gomez was obviously there. Um, the midfielder Gavarman obviously was obviously on the on the radar as well. Um, and now um, Moise Keane, it's um, it's you can you can tell there's a clear plan for what brands and silver w- want to do you know players who are going to be energetic the high press is going to be up there non-stop running um, and hopefully with that end bit of quality that end end product for to, to score goals at the end of the day I, I just look at talking about Marcel brands though I look look at him and I think it's not just the deals he's, he's doing it's everything around the deals I watched him the other night um, with you know, you, you've called him one thing you've called him another thing I'm <laughs> going to call him Bama uh, with, with Bama and you know, he was straightening his collar and oh, yeah. sure yeah. he looked great. Right. Yeah. And, and you just feel as if it's somebody who has got the club's best interest at heart, the, one, the, the guy who is in charge of what his department is, you know. And and not only that, I know certainly from my point of view, I don't know about the, the lads of the Echo, but I found it a lot more difficult to get information on, on, on uh, signings this time and last summer. Um, and, I, and I think he just goes, be, you know, on with his business behind it. Have you? How impressed have you been, Sam? Yeah, no, you know, all, all can echo all of, all of what you've said, and also, you know, I think every single pe- person I've spoken to uh, about Marcel, whether it's been, you know, kind of fairly who's worked quite closely with him, uh, you know, whether it's been fans who've kind of interacted with him, you know, around the the, the ground and 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 you know, going to matches and stuff, and even you know, a couple of the lads who were there, and everyone, you know, everyone just speaks. So highly of him, and the way he deals about all all business, good and bad. You know, players asking for moves or incomings, and, and anything you can ask him about. I think he is just a really genuine guy, face to face. But then also, you know, for the fan base, he's certainly brought a lot of confidence, hasn't he? You know, obviously the 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 way Steve Walsh kind of the way things ended with Steve Walsh. You know, the the confidence was just completely shattered by the players that he'd brought in and that kind of scattergun approach. But you know, Marcel, as you said, it's it's not just about. You know, obviously this is his busiest time of the year and obviously this is what, at the end of the day, his bottom line is and what he's truly going to get judged on. But I think also, you know, the way he restructured the scouting department, you know, and he brought some of his own people in and, and kind of moved some other people out. You know, the way he looks at the academy and he's trying to build that. You know, this is a man who, who, who's got like an, an intricate knowledge of football and, and as you said, you know, I think just goes about his work in the right way. Where's where's some shocking clothes, but goes about his business in the right way. He doesn't care, does he? No, no. But Ian, you know, like, you know, and, and sorry to interrupt you there, but, you know, when you look at the teams he's buying off, Juventus, Barcelona, Manchester City, um, possibly Chelsea, you know, does that tell us that his quality and what he's looking for is a bit higher than what we've been used to? I think so. I think... It, it's 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 a lot down to everything, isn't it? You know, we've obviously got a bit more money due to the yeah. Mercedes factor, the, yeah. the Premier League factor, but you know, he's, he's obviously got a lot of contacts within mm. within the game. Um, you know, approaching these teams without any fear and negotiating probably deals down. Really, you know, whether it's like teams are asking for thirty million and we you know we offer instalments and stuff like that, we're, we're managing to get these deals over the line. No disrespect to previous managers and you know previous regimes, but you, you'd have to look at the likes of, you know, in the past we've been buying off teams like Wigan and stuff like that. You know, that's just not going to cut it at, at what we want to do. Now the players who are obviously playing for these teams, like Andre Gomez playing for Barcelona, now you've got Keane playing for Juventus. You know, they might not be 
good enough to cut it at those that level. But at the moment, I don't think Everton are at that level at the minute. We're still building, you know, foundations slowly but surely. And I just think Marcel Brands. You mentioned that clip there where he was sorting the collar out. He's just a father figure, isn't he, for, by the looks of it? He just feels like the players could just, any one of the squad could go to him if they've got a problem and just be like, Marcel, you know, help me out. And he would just be so cool, calm and collected. And I just feel, fingers crossed, that we're in good hands. Not even just with the first team, though. I think, especially towards the back end of last season, a lot of the under-23 matches that I was going to, uh, Marcel was at as well. You know, and I think I remember when they won... Uh, the Premier League Cup at Goodison, you know, he was in the he was in the changing rooms after it, getting involved with the lads, getting a, a little champagne soak, soaking, and you know, I think he is just involved uh, at every level of the club, and I think he knows, you know, got a really detailed knowledge of I think every player from from Moise Ken to or Moise Keane to to lads who are playing in, in the under 18s and, and that's what you want to see, really, isn't it? Someone who, who truly I think is passionate about football and, and also seemingly passionate about helping Everton improve, you know, and, and obviously the point Ian makes about you know, whether Andre Gomez was good enough for Barcelona, whether Moise Keane was good enough for Juventus is, is kind of beside the point, I think, at, at this moment because, you know, it, it doesn't mean that they can't help Everton get to the to the next level, which is obviously, you know, you know progressing on from last season. So if, if, if that is what, finishing seventh this season or maybe having a good push towards the top six, you know, another se- in another season, you know, Keane, uh, Lucas Dean... Andre Gomez, that they're still approaching the prime, so it's it's an exciting time with those kind of players he's bought, and and he's been clever about kind of getting them at the right time. You know, when when they've fallen out of favour, and, and these big clubs have been kind of willing to to cash in at the right moment. Well, let's hear from um, uh, the new signing Bama. I'm going to call him Bama because uh, it's so much easier. Um, Jean Philippe Gabamin. Is that about right? Uh, let's hear from him now, um, t- talking about um, joining Everton. I was excited because Everton is a great club here in England with a big history. So I don't think a moment I wanted to come here. I can't wait for playing in Goodison Park. I'm really excited to start with the team, with everybody. And um, I will, uh, with the trainer and uh, all the staff, make myself ready before. I like to go in a duel. I like to to run a lot and tackle. I also pass good and I have a good transition. So all the rest, I think they will see on the pitch. So there we go. That's um, that's the new uh, signing who we all uh, presume is going to replace uh, Adrissa Garner Gay. How big a deal is it him leaving? Do you think? Um, for me personally, I, I loved him. I it was a massive blow. Um, I felt he was just, you know, fantastic towards the latter stages of of last season. Um, you know, everyone's every player is going to have the critics, aren't they? It, it, it's always going to be the case. Um, but did we get the better end of the deal from PSG? I, I I don't I don't know. I think PSG probably got a really good deal there. I was hoping for, you know, thirty five plus really for a player. Okay, twenty nine, probably still got two or three years left. But I think he'll considerably improve. PSG and it's it's left a, a massive gap. Um, I know Delph has obviously come in, but Silva's already said he's not a direct replacement. We've got players who could probably fill in that position, but nowhere near as good enough as uh, a dresser guy. So, you know this this new guy. Um, what are we saying? What's his name? Whatever you want, Jean <laughs> Philippe Gavame. Yeah, Gavame. Yeah, big shoes to fill. Um, you know, come from Mainz. Um, yeah. 
you know, I believe he started his career off as a central defender. Yeah, so that's right, yeah. it's obviously moved forward. Could he be versatile and play both? I don't, I don't know. I, I would hope that he's been bought just for the for the one position, and he is a direct replacement for Guy, which means he should be good enough. Um, but you know, all due respect to Adrissa Adrissa Guy, he's been fantastic, and I wish him well. I think it's all kind of perfectly split down the middle for me because I just think. As, as much as you know, we want Everton to to progress and and do well, and and to do that, you've got to keep your best players. I just think, you know, what what a massive opportunity it was for Gay. He wanted to go. You know, I think, you know, it was kind of his his dream move. You know, we've got around thirty million for a, a thirty year old essentially, which you know you don't often kind of see teams paying that kind of money for for someone of that age in football. But I think what fills me with confidence about about Gabaman is that, you know, as much as he didn't express it publicly. Brandon Silva must have had a pretty decent idea after oh, January. Yeah. You know, must have thought, you know, if they've came in here, they probably will come back. Yeah. So they've been, I'd like to, well, I think you can almost guarantee it that they've been working on a gay replacement since January. And that, that fills me with confidence, you know, because I think Gabamon was one of them, wasn't he? His, his name was linked and the deal was done within a couple of days. So, you know, that does kind of give you the feeling that this was a transfer they wanted and, and were prepared to, to work hard for to, to complete it quickly. So... Hopefully, you know, we, we've kind of paid the same amount of money that we, we got for Gay, so it's almost a, a straight kind of swap. Uh, and obviously, we just need him to be as, as effective. I think Gay's last season at Everton was definitely his best one. As, as Ian said, you know, I did love him as well. And I think, you know, people were unsure, you know, signing a, a centre midfielder from a relegated team, one of the worst Premier League teams I can remember. You know, there's a lot of kind of scepticism, but yeah. for me, it's got to be one of the best £7 million pounds seven, Everton seven spent million in, the, yeah, in the modern era. So, you know, as Ian says, big, big shoes to fill. But he's a he's a big lad. You know, he reminds me. He's got a kind of Fellaini presence about him. You know, and I always thought Fellaini was was brilliant for Everton. And you know, but looks like he could be even more uh, offered a little bit more technically as well. Yeah, so a bit more agile, I think. Yeah, as well, I think obviously it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That you know we're signing these players who for the first time in a long time, the majority of Evertonians, if not all Evertonians, have, have never seen them kick a ball live. So it's it, it's going to be interesting. And again, you know, Fabian Delph picked up a little knock in that last friendly, so he could be out, you know, it's, a, it's another player who might get thrown into the deep end, and, you know, it, it might take a little bit bit of time to adapt, but Brands and Silver have certainly built up a little bit of transfer trust after last summer, you know, only really, the jury still out on Mina, but, you know, from, yeah. from what we've seen in pre-season, he looks like he's going he's gonna to find his feet, so, you know, if they're good enough for Marcel and Marco, then you've, you've, you've kind of yeah. got to trust them, and, you know, Gail, I think I, I put on Twitter a couple of, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, Gay leaves probably with the most goodwill, most public goodwill that I've seen for an Everton for player time, yeah. for, for a, a long, long time. You know, everyone was generally happy for him. You know, a, a touching message he posted to the Everton fans. So I wouldn't mind seeing PSG win the Champions League. We were never going to yeah. deny him that move, were we? No. I would have thought so. And I don't think you want to either. I've always been an advocate of if a player wants to go, let him go. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't ever see a reason to keep a footballer who doesn't want to be at your club. I don't, I don't, and I know what people say, well, we've got to make sure to keep him. But I, I just never, ever adhere to that. You know, I don't yeah. know. It just, I just but can't. he didn't sulk, did he? He no. didn't spit and his and, dummy and, off and, and stuff to, like that. You know, and that's more to the fact that you should say, OK, you've, you've given us that. They've asked him for that six months. Yeah. You know, give him his thing. Um, we're going to end this section, though, because uh, we're about four or five days away from, four days away from transfer deadline day. Um, so we're going to do some predictions yeah. uh, for both that and for the, the opening game of the season. So we'll start with with um, the transfer window. Uh, what do you expect Everton to do? Who do you expect them to bring in? 
between now and Thursday. In terms of names or positions? Either. I think ugh, the, the, in an ideal world, we, we get Kurt Zuma, we get a right-back in on loan, and maybe if, if we're talking about Keane as a striker, then, then we get a winger. So three players, with, with the kind of players we've been signing this summer, I wouldn't even like to start putting name, names about. No, I, I mean, me personally, I'll leave the names to Silver and Brands because I'm not, I'm not going to say names, but I don't think Zuma will come. I, I, I resign myself with that. Mm. Might be wrong, don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's another loan deal for a centre-back. Um, Who are we looking at, though? If we, you know, if, if it's not Zuma, I don't know... I don't know that many centre backs that are available. I mean, would you would you ever go for Toby Alderweireld of, of, of Tottenham? Is he available? Well, I, I, it looks like I don't know. You know, it's, it, you hear a lot of talk about him. Mm. You know, I mean, it's a name who's obviously Premier League experience and he's obviously got quality. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I am with Sam. If we could get Zuma, then. It's just an easy option, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? The later it goes on, it just kind of makes you think, doesn't it? That, you know, has it gone on this late because Everton deep down are thinking, you know, we will get him. Mm. This will happen. Or are we going to leave it too late and, and, and potentially put put our foot in it? You know what I mean? But I think, you know, as you're saying, Alan, you don't, off the top of your head, you can't really name any centre-halves that you'd think he could do a job at Everton next season. But again, you know, I wouldn't have said we'd be signing Gene Felipe. Bamman no. or Moist Keane because no. I'd, ne- I'd never heard of them so no. you know you've, you've got to think that the, there is other options but and you're, you're probably saying from t- from this weekend starting tomorrow if we're not getting Zuma they've, they've got to have some talks opened with, with someone else somewhere haven't they because mm. you know that that is the key position mm. now to fill you know I think, we'll, I think we'll get two I don't think we'll get the three I think maybe we might have to maybe sacrifice the right back and maybe put up put Holgate right back as a, as a backup for Coleman, or you know, sacrifice a, another another player to to play in the forward line. But I mean, effectively, we got two first team centre backs in Mina yeah. and Keane. Yeah, that's it. Obviously, Mina Jory's still out on him. Played decent against um, yeah. Bremen, didn't he? But again, his injury background hasn't been great. Let's hope we can have a, a full run of games this season. We and can't go into the season with with no. those two, can we? No, really, absolutely you know? not. I mean, I know Holgate has come back, but are they eyeing him up for the deputy right back position? I, I don't know. I mean, Silver's obviously stated the positions that, that he wants, hasn't he? Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get them because obviously we know who's in charge of the, the you know, the purchasing and stuff like that. Um, I would love a centre-back, a high-profile centre-back. I think a winger who, with a, like electric pace, but obviously who's good on the ball and stuff like that as well. What we're um, saying is Zaha, yes or no? I, I Personally, I said, I said yeah. I, I just think if you want him, do you think it's going to happen? No, before Thursday. And don't, don't forget, a lot of people will listen to this on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say yeah, then it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> no, 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 I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think that would happen. I think it's one of them as well. We were talking about the other day. Is that you know, do you, do you wait? You know, is there any point throwing money at another attacking option now that we've got Keane, or do you kind of take stock, make sure you get your centre back, and see what does anything come up in January, or then go again? next summer and, and that might be part of Brands and Silver's thinking I think they've been really wary haven't they when they've came in of saying like right if we're going to spend money we have to get it right because of what had gone in, in the summer before that they joined you know with the likes of Klassen and and you know Sandro's and, and you know what, what the way they kind of wasted money and you know so far they have got it right and it, it might be another case of saying okay we'll wait and we'll get someone else and you know I know Phil wrote a piece saying they, they probably are looking to utilise maybe a loan before the window closes, so 
you know, it is interesting because, as you're saying, it's just radio silence a little bit now, isn't it? Yeah, like all the it. players we've been linked with, we've signed, and, and we weren't we weren't really looking at them at the end of the season. Where we mm-hmm. thinking these no. are going to come in? But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out here. I'm gonna say that we'll get a right back. Um, not quite sure what level we'll get, whether it's a young player or not. I think we'll get um, definitely get a centre half, possibly even two, um, and I think we'll get a big signing. I yeah. don't know who it is, but four, I think there will be... Four between now and three. Possibly four, yeah. I, I think pro- probably three, yeah. but possibly four. And I think, and I might be wrong, I apologise to everyone if you listen to this on Friday and it never happened, but I think there'll be another big signing at some point. You know, I don't know who it'll be, um, but I think it'll probably eclipse what we've done already this summer. That would be amazing if it... If it mm. I think you'd have to ask yourself, realistically, is this team good enough to challenge for the Champions League spot right now? I, I honestly don't think... It's the season, though, is it? No, no, but I think this is our big chance due to the fact that Chelsea, Arsenal and United are all going to be perceived to be weak. I honestly think... You know, I honestly think there is that is that is the aim. I, I genuinely It's got to be. You don't believe... Marco uh, Silva and Marcel Brands smell... A little bit of blood, you know, with United. That's right, yeah. With possibly even Spurs, you know, um, and Chelsea. Certainly, you don't know how it's going to go with with Frank Lampard. And I think, I think the gloves have got to come off now. I think this has got to be serious. And I think, I think they know that. And I think they're trying to buy for that. And they, and they need to go for it, you know. And, and whether it happens or not is another thing. And how many times have we said this, you know, in August and, it's and by October, chance. we're, you know, we're crucifying everybody, you know, and it, it happens. But I just get the sense that they're going for it this summer and and, um, and I think there will be a bit more money spent before Thursday. But as far as that's concerned, Saturday, obviously, is Crystal Palace. Yep. Um, what, what are you, you're talking three points there, easy win? Well, they've had a shocking pre-season, haven't they? So it's got all the hallmarks of them absolutely turning us over <laughs> yeah. because it's, it sometimes just seems to be the way. We were comparing it the other day to that one uh, in 2004-05, remember? And people were kind of building it. Obviously, it won't be the same this year, but people were saying it was a bit of a relegation, six points, and we beat them, and then we went on to to finish fourth. And I do think it's the kind of ground where, if you you know, it's it's little, it's tight. You know, the fans will be in, in good atmosphere. But if you, if you could go there and start your season with a good performance and a good win, it really does put you on a... On a strong, uh, you've start. got to beat the crowd there, haven't you? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I'd like to think we hopefully will. Uh, you know, you know that the danger man is is uh, hard on you, and you know, hopefully you'd like to In think. Everton shares. Well, yeah, <laughs> you'd like to think, mate. Exactly. You know, he might sign a new contract. And he might be firing on all cylinders, or you know, maybe his, the summer might have turned his head a little bit. But I think if we can, if we can shackle him, you know, and get going and. I'll say, I'll say a cheeky little two-one. I don't think we're quite ready to keep a clean sheet yet, but if we get that, I'll be, I'll be quite happy. Well, you say Crystal Palace have had a shock in pre-season. Look at our results. Our pre-season hasn't been they've that, been that good. They've been getting like four nils. Have they, that, I can't say they've been following their uh, results. No, but, same um, I think it, it's going to go down on what we get in the next couple of days, isn't it? I watched yeah. the the friendly against Bremen, and thought we started off a little bit slow, but you know, grew into the game possession football and again it just fell down to not being able to, you know, get in those positions to, to score to score goals. And when we did get in the positions, we, we just wasted the chance. Um, you know, Moise Keane will obviously hopefully help that. I think I'm just gonna go out there and just say probably I'm gonna go for a two nil two nil win for Everton. Let's be positive. I just think a slow start to a season is just gonna hamper us and we and can't the season us. because we play the you know the the so called top six you know, in in the middle period mm. of, of this kind of first half of the season, you know, so 
got a, a relatively, say in, in inverted commas, easier start to, to the season than we have in, in other years. But, you know, you're thinking then you need to get off the, you know, you need to get up and running early and you, you want to go into those big games with momentum, don't you? And I think we certainly showed at Goodison last season, you know, those big teams won't be wanting to come no. to Goodison with our, with our side and blasting. So just need to keep that fear factor. Yeah, definitely. keep it. I, I'm looking at a 2 1 I'm with you, Simon, because yeah. every time I do a, an accumulator <laughs> or anything, I put 2 1 for everything. So <laughs> I just think it's the bet, you know, which wins. But, um, but no, I think, I think it'll be a narrow But you look at Palace, and I think, you know, they've, they've sold a couple of their players. You know, Zahar might go maybe to us, maybe not. Yeah. You know, um, I just think they'll be on a little bit of a downer. I'm not quite sure. That, Are they considered know. to be in turmoil at the minute? Not that well, I've been following them. I'm not, I'm not so sure yeah, turmoil, so but sure, certainly, but certainly I don't think it's a, a summer where they've had. But, you know, Steve Parrish, you know, the owner, he likes to do a little bit of business on the last day of the, se- of the transfer window. So you never know how that might affect them. But, um, but as I say, I think the crowd, you beat the crowd there, you get a good start and you keep the, qui- the crowd quiet and you can get a win. Well, there you go. That's, that's, that's the first part of it over. Thanks very much, boys, for joining us. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, of course, now Dan Meese uh, eventually met a lot of Evertonians. He's uh, been talking to us a lot on uh, social media, as you know, over the last year or two uh, since all the stadium designs were talked about and uh, and of course we've all been waiting to hear from the man and to see the man and we got that opportunity uh, uh, last Thursday um, at the Titanic Hotel when the uh, the designs or some of the designs of course were were um, were revealed with regards to the new Bramley Moor Dock Stadium and uh, I spoke to Dan um, because not just about what because I think what what we know about the stadium is already out there. We all know what's going on. We know about the second consultation period. But what I wanted to talk to him about was the relationship he's built up with the Evertonians, certainly on social media. And this is what uh, Dan had to say. The biggest influence is knowing that they weren't ever going to let me get away with doing something that wasn't clearly <laughs> Everton. Mm. Yes, I'm reminded of that daily. <laughs> and, and of course... Tell, t- talk to us about what Evertonians are going to see, what they feel. You know, you've talked very much about connecting with the Evertonians. Mm. What are they going to see? What's going to, what's going to make them shiver? Well, I, th- I think the important thing is that um, they won't see something that's uh, that, that's not uh, embodying the passion that they show. They don't care. They're not impressed. They, they care about football and they care about their club and they want to be right there on top of the players and they want. They have an impact on the game. That's what they care about. They're not going to care about the club shops and the things that, that the building does need. And that was a big driver in the design is it has to feel like a proper football stadium because otherwise why would you leave Goodison, this magical place? And just finally, how have you dealt with the social media attention you get with the Evertonians? They never <laughs> leave you alone. I know what that's like, but how have you dealt with it? Well, I have to say they've been pretty great. And it took me a while to learn not to comment on the games or the players or <laughs> a particular play or something like that. I had... I I, I had to feel my way around, but now it's been almost all positive. And, um, you know, the consultation in general, I feel like I've been consulting for a couple of years now, and I've gotten a lot of input, so I don't want anybody to be shy about writing. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
Well, there we are, Dan Meese, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from uh, the man from New York in the next few years, certainly uh, as we build up to uh, the opening of uh, Bramley Moor Dock Stadium. Uh, it's an exciting time, isn't it, to be an Evertonian? Uh, but now let's uh, have a little listen to a friend of mine who we go back 20 years or so now, and um, I remember the day when he joined Everton and uh, he arrived at Goodison Park. It was uh, quite a special day for me. That's Paul Gascoigne. Uh, I remember going down to the car and uh, having to uh, to bring him up. The first thing he said to me was, go and get me 20 tabs, which uh, in Geordie speak is uh, cigarettes. But um, since then, it's been quite a, a, a ride. Had many moments of different variations with Paul. Uh, but this week, I was delighted to say he sounded in great form and he spoke to me about his time at Everton. Well, Paul, thanks very much for joining me on the Everton podcast. Um, I'm made up. I can't believe it. Ah, it's a long time to see, Paul. <laughs> it is. Um, I want to just talk to you about your time at Everton. How did it come about that you got the move to Everton? Because you were at Middlesbrough, weren't you? Yeah, well, I was at Middlesbrough, and obviously I just thought, you know, when I was back home and that, and it's just things weren't. I just didn't feel. I wasn't. It wasn't Middlesbrough Football Club. I just didn't feel happy myself, and I knew I'd worked with Walter Smith before, and loved my time with them too. And I knew, you know, coming closing years in me football, I just wanted to start enjoying it, enjoying the last moments, and where better than Edmonton? And obviously Walter. Then I just rang him. I said, "Look, it was funny." I said, "Walter, you owe me a favour." I said, "I joined the Rangers. You'll come and get it, isn't you?" Within you know a couple of years, I went at them. And it was brilliant, and then, um, yeah, it was. And then, obviously, when I went to the stadium, I had to go to Bill, Bill Kenwright's house, and um, it was funny. I've, I've never known a chairman so much to love a football club as much as Bill Kenwright. Mm. I met him, and all of a sudden he sat down, and he went, let me tell you about Eminem. <laughs> brilliant. So he spent an hour telling us about Eminem and, what, you know, about the derbies and all that. And um, obviously, I've seen a lot of the derbies on TV, and obviously, how fantastic they were. It's really nice how the fans get together. I mean, the we fans, well, both both fans get together, and that. And so there I was, you know. And then um, I think the first year I arrived at Edmonton, what they give me a bollocking, throttle is by the throat, and uh, <laughs> it went from there. But well, I loved me time, you know. I remember uh, the day I, when I got when I got the call off Michael Dunford, the secretary, and he said, "Go downstairs. There's someone waiting in a, a Land uh, Range Rover for you." And when I come downstairs, it was you. And do you remember the very first thing you asked me to do? Yeah, was it, you took us somewhere, and I remember I was saying loads of loaves of bread. No. I remember saying no, no more loaves of bread. Not, not that time. We'll come to that in a minute. No, you asked me to go and get your 20 tabs from the shop. Oh, that was a trick. Go and get me 20 regals from the cigarette shop. <laughs> That's it. And yeah, I didn't I know, I didn't know what tabs things. were. I didn't know what tabs were. Oh, the tabs, yeah. Tobacco, um, Geordie word. But, no, uh, I love me time, you know. People, when I, you know, when I told the people about regrets, you know, and I think one of the two, only two regrets I really sort of had, well, not regrets, obviously I wanted to see it Rangers, but while I was leaving, so that was the one. And the other one, again, leaving Eminem for Burnley, nothing against Burnley, but I was loving my time there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's once again, you know, I left Rangers because while I was leaving, and I left Eminem because I knew while I was going as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, um, you think you want? You've said, haven't you, that you would have liked to have stayed and, and give David Moyes a chance, really? Yeah, of course. Now when I look back, because I always remember on the way to Burnley, Moyes gives a chance, and I just thought, you know, um, the change. And I love me time with what I know. She looked great, and the fans were fantastic. I mean, I see on stage, you know, it's the only team I, I ever played for that was happy to be substitute because of 
during the game, I got to eat loads of toffees off the, the little girls I handed out the, the toffees. <laughs> I think it was one game, Myers. It was so funny. I was like sitting there, and I'm just 10 minutes ago, and I, had, I must have had about 20 toffees. And I thought, well, that's good. I'm not going on now. And he went, well, I went, get warmed up. And I went, oh, no. And I ran down the corner flag. I got a stitch. Eating them toffees, I didn't want to go out. He put me on, and I, I couldn't hardly run. And he gave us a bollock and then dressed me. Went, I can't believe it. I've told you to run about and put put something on for the, the team. And I dare not tell him I've had about 20 toffees. I think that's why I've been to the dentist so many times. <laughs> and um, somehow, I don't know how you've done it, but somehow you've got me to the end of your career before I've even talked about the start of it. But anyway, um, so, but some of the <laughs> characters at the, in that side, um, although I don't think you really got on with Thomas Graverson for a while, did you? I, was an, I thought I was man, but he's a fluke kid. I mean, just some of the mad things he used to do. I mean, you know, I just doing training, he all of a sudden he just kicked the ball. Out of the out of the training ground, and I think, what's he doing that for? You know, sometimes you did get on some of the players' nerves and that. But I mean, I suppose I did more than anybody else. But mine was in good jester. Um, but you had a few yeah, friends was, there, though, didn't when you? When he had his head screwed on, he was a great, he was a good player. You know, what a move that was from for Real Madrid. No one could believe that, not even me. But yeah, he did get on my nerves sometimes. I did have a few rows with him. Yeah, and, um, but you had a, a good few friends there, didn't you? You know, like Sir Duncan and people yeah, like that. Yeah, um, let's say peace. Give it we and all I mean, you know, when I think about it, I remember when Moisey come in to be fair, no disrespect, he went, I see you stay on Saturday, you weren't very good, I'm going to be the new manager, you mess about me, and I'm such and such. Hmm. And I just thought, well, how can he dare say that, you know, in front of like, you know, when I look around the dressing room, I was, it's unbelievable, we had about 12 international players in that dressing yeah. room. Mm. Yeah. You know, some of them played in the highest level. Yeah. Um, so I was quite fortunate to join everything in such a time where, you know, you had Kevin Campbell, Xavier, um, Pemble, there were, there's loads of it, you know. Mm. Um, so we had we had a good team and squad. We just, I think, a lot of work. To be fair, um, a lot were coming to the end of our career, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but yeah, it's good. To see, I tell you what's good about Everton, the way they've kept on the players, mm. Unsworth and Fergie, Big Ferguson. Um, you know, Franny Jeffers. It's good that they've done that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, I heard all the news about the new stadium. That's going to look like that's going to be magnificent. Mm. But but when you, um, I mean, what, what, I remember a game in particular, uh, and it was one of my favourite games. And, and we we played back at Newcastle, and uh, I remember sort of standing by the touchline, and I don't think many people saw it, but you you did a little flick when the ball came out and he got it out to Gary Naismith and then he went down the left-hand side, he crossed it for Kevin Campbell and we won 1-0 that day and you you, yeah. were, you were shouting at me, did you see the flick right from the pitch? Yeah, that's now, what I remember it. Because <laughs> I remember the play at Newcastle, I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm, I didn't mind then because I left the clubs a long time so I didn't mind beating them and um, yeah. yeah, the ball came and I gave it a lovely flick to Naismith across to the Campbell. Um, yeah, it was good. I've run up to you, yeah, see that flick. I but, still had it then, man. But I remember, I remember after that game, you were really emotional in the dressing room, and, and and I asked you why, and you said it was because we'd won. Did winning mean that much to you, Paul, during your career? Even then, yeah, no, no you know, I um, I just love winning. I mean, I played a young kid, honestly, four year old, table tennis, hmm. and I tra- I was beating him. I wanted to beat him twenty one nil. I got the twenty nil, <laughs> and I hit the net. I had to start the game again because I wanted to beat the four-year-old 21-0. <laughs> it's terrible. The kid was crying his eyes out to his mother. Unbelievable. I mean, many yeah, people... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it was mostly because, you know, at that time, 
when it's such a big team, a club like Everton, you know, you, you, you think to yourself, I wish I could have played for these this when I was in my prime, mm. even though I was still getting man of the match at 20, 35 and that. Mm. You know, um, the, the, the crowd, the fans were fantastic of it. Yeah. Now, yeah, even now on, on Twitter, it's not, I still yeah. get like praise from the Everton fans and, you know, the old one is there for the new stadium, but, yeah, I had a great time. Bill was fantastic. Award looking right as well. You know, I must admit. Yeah. Well, one of the work. things I'm remembered for on Twitter is someone sticking their head out of the window when we're trying to do an interview. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. With, with apples, have you? <laughs> yeah, yes. He's the only guy that knew I had a yellow Ferrari and drove around in a smart car. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, but you you um you, you were good fun, weren't you, at the, at the training ground? And, and, and I think, yeah, you think well, that's missing in the game now, Paul. Do you think it's yeah, so much? It's it's got really serious now. It's not even a game anymore. It's more like business. It's a business now, you know. It's a shame. Mm. It really is. You know, it's got it's got like that. And, and unfortunately, a lot of it's player power now. You know. Yeah. You got players now just about running clubs. Mm. You know, um, which is which is a shame. Mm. But you know, I didn't I didn't um. I don't disagree with any player, whatever wages on, because it's not his fault, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of them's got to do agents, but you know, if, if someone says me, Paul, that's five pound a week, or someone says there's a million pound a week, you, you go because sometimes you do, career a football career is not that long, you know, when you mm. think about it, mm. um, and you've got to make the most of it. But not with me. I mean, I, I took a drop to go to Glasgow Rangers. I took a drop in my wages to go to Everton because mm. I just love playing, and all I want to do is just play. Play, play, you know, and I even now, even at my age, I, I still miss playing, you know. Mm. Is that been part of your, you know, I mean, much, much documented? You've had some problems. Is that is that part of the problem? Is that you just miss playing and you miss the game? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't realize how much it's. It's not just the football. It's like when you wake up at nine o'clock in the morning, you think, right, what do I do today? Mm. Where when you're playing, you know what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going to talk to. Guys, especially on a Monday, what you go up to the weekends, mm. you know, yeah. um, you know the, the crack and the banter, and then you kind of wait, you know, you know me, Miles, I couldn't wait to get the training. I used to go to the training ground, yeah, eight o'clock in the morning, and play Jimmy Martin and them at um, head tennis for Wellies tennis, on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was me. I just loved it. I used to stay at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. You know, again, you know, and I miss that banter badly, but you know, every club I went back to. See, that's why that's why I refuse to give any managers, any fans, any players stick. I've never done it and I won't start now because you know, it's nice to be welcome wherever you go. I would like to go to a club and think, Oh, that that such and such said such and such about us, you know, it's not it's not real. I've had enough stick as it is, you know, regards to the football save it, so I don't need to hand it out. You know, I think I'm strong enough, I've been through enough, put myself through enough to handle all that, you know. Now, the other thing I always talk about, and you mentioned it before, was when we went to Question of Sport. And uh, and I think you uh, you signed every single loaf <laughs> slice of bread. In... <laughs> you, caused, you, you caused me well, a bit of grief. I just thought you loved us that much. I thought you wanted the autograph, but I didn't realise how much. You, know, see a, you caused you me a bit of grief while I was well, there, you didn't certainly you? certainly did that, dear. You kept me busy there, didn't you, that, at that club? <laughs> I think you're the first one that ever really lost a temper with us. Normally, somebody sees the funny say, but I think you weren't too happy that year. Yeah, I wasn't. And, uh, but I think that, that was, to be fair, mind, I think that was the start of our great relationship, you know, and when you think about it, so many years, 17 years on, we're still good mates, you know, yeah. and that's, that's, that's what I think our people like about us, I mean, remember the time of the peanuts? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> and we, what did you have, four or five balls of peanuts as well? Yeah, and I thought I'd had one. 
But, but you know, it's a shame now because you, you got you've got young kids now, twenty one, mm. coming through, and obviously they're playing for the sixty thousand on big wages, yeah. and some of them some need knocked down earth, some of them need a talking to, some of them need some strong players around them to lead them the right way. Mm. You know, obviously I can say that through my experience. Sometimes I went earwall a little bit. Mm. And then need someone like Walter Smith to kneel us and put us in the right. I mean, look at Salzburg. Mm. I was did to them kids, you know. Yeah. And then some of them need their arm around them. That's where Terry Randall's coming perfect for me as well, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, but you, you talk just... about our relationship, Paul. You know, like one thing I would say, you were the most generous human being I think I've ever come across. You know, the way you gave to everybody. Um, mm. But also, I think, you know, we can't talk about that because. I think you were possibly the greatest footballer I ever saw play as well. I mean, do you, I would still talk about that. Do, 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 do you look <laughs> I, back I, I at your career and wish you'd won more? One so, more yeah, trophy. Yeah. You know, I just sometimes I'm not being big at it. I'm, it was never like that. But sometimes after the game, I used to say to people, how did I? Like, I was confident, but I just think, wow. I used to sometimes watch some of the highlights of how I played because I'm thinking, how did I do that? Mm. Or where did that come from? And most of it was just natural, you know. Mm. Um, and I was fortunate to be gifted, mm. you know, um, fortunate gifted. But some of the other stuff I worked on, and I think the good thing about myself is I did work hard for the team. And I had 36 operations to show that, you know, that I got stuck in. Um, I was always available. You know, I never, I never, even if I was having a bad game, which was never, <laughs> yeah. I still went looking for the ball, <laughs> you know. And if yeah. I give it away, I'll try my best to get it back. Mm. Well, you, you, certainly, know, you see uh, some players, Dears Myers, on a hundred grand a week, and they lose the ball and put their heads down, going, "Oh, never mind." Mm-hmm. You know, they forget there's a there's a lot of fans that have paid a lot of money to watch them play. You know, mm-hmm. even if they're having a bad game, give a hundred and ten percent. The players, the fans will appreciate that more than you would scoring a goal. Yeah. When you look back though on your career, do you, do you what do you think? You know, how do you assess your career? Because as you say, you know, everything you've just said, you gave everything. You know. Yeah, I think that's. I mean the. The first one, the big operation with the, ki- the ligaments in the cup fire. Nothing at all. I think God would have been even better than I was about that. I hadn't hurt my knee, but I got back stronger with that. But then I broke my knee capping off. Mm. And I did be broken fibia and tibia. So you think, well, I missed it with four years in soccer. So, you know, that's four more experience, four years more experience I would have had when I actually got fit again. Mm. You know, would that have been different? And then I look back at the players, how fit they are. I think. You know, there's four foreign a rule, maybe that should have stayed, but then again, you know, you think, oh, well, well, my me, me fitness was good anyway, but you see some of these foreigners coming in, they're so fit and look after themselves, which mm. would be good for our young kids now. Mm. You know, but, you know, but then you see these players, good players, are on, like, say, you know, 300 grand a week, and they lose a ball in the sock as if they run the club. Mm. I mean, I would, I would I tell you what, I wish I could play with a few of them. They'd never get off me. Well, I mean, looking back on your time, if you if you were to assess your time at Everton, how would you describe it? Yeah, when I was, I mean, especially when I got injured, I missed it so bad, and obviously I let myself down. And you know, the Everton fans were brilliant. And while I put me in rehab, which is what I needed, considering I got three man of match wards, and then the next day on Monday I went to the rehab. <laughs> so he found us out then. But then, you know, when I come back, the fans were brilliant, and me, me, me football increased again, and I was playing football the way I wanted to play, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just things that regards, you know, I went through the divorce thing, and I had other little problems, and it, well, I could see it, you know? And then he dropped us a few games, and then I sort of. I don't know. I, I probably sold 
which is not like me. No. And then obviously I made the move, which I wish wish I hadn't of. But yeah, me time at Emily, I loved it. You know, they just the buzz and atmosphere was fantastic. And how much does it mean to you when you hear all the love that Everton fans have you on, on for you on the on on Twitter and everywhere else? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I didn't because obviously I look at everyone that's tweets and that, and I can only reply so much or whatever. And, yeah. and all of a sudden this stadium, you know, you forget about things, and then all of a sudden there's about this new stadium, and then all of a sudden my name's on all the tweets like God has got to be there, God has got to be there, and I'm wow, yeah. you know, and that gives you know when I feel down. And I look at something like that, that, that gives me a boost, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking, wow, yeah, I did do well there. You know, I did enjoy my time there. And the fans did appreciate it, you know. Oh, they certainly did. And um, and how are you now? You, you, I have to say, yeah, you good. sound as good. The last four months. You sound as good as I've ever heard you. Just sit-ups, looking well, feeling good. Everything, you know, I've got a new agent. Um, um, what's calling and Katie. Hmm. Katie's uh, looking after all my stuff now. And... Um, She's good. Are you still doing and the shows? Sorry? Are you still doing the shows? You know, the... the, the yeah, yeah, the I've gather. got a few coming up in Glasgow, which I'm looking forward to. Brilliant. Um, I've got a few of them coming up, and I've got a few... Um, my new movie's coming out. Really? I'll be 30 years of Hurt. That comes out next year. And I've got books on the pop line and loads of bands. So there's quite a lot of work coming up, so I've just got... Take my time and enjoy it when it works there, you know? Yeah, no, of like, you know, no more singles, no. <laughs> for yeah, Everton, the next song's called Evertonian Toppies. <laughs> How does that go? Mate, do you know what? Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you because no, it's always a pleasure talking to you, mate. We've been through a lot, and um, and I have to say, yeah, exactly. you know, you've always made me happy well, every time I spoke. Yeah, I'll definitely come to. Um, I've come up and I've watched Everton play. Yeah, I'm sure they welcome you back with open arms. Yeah, I look forward to it. You so, know, it's a, a place that Evertonians have always been. Even though Liverpool fans were fantastic, I still got grief off them. But, mm. you know, I love the town. I love it, Merseyside. I absolutely love it. I love living there, you know. Mm. The fans were brilliant. Every, both sides were fantastic, you know. Mm. And I, I appreciate the time I had when I was struggling up there. Both sets were fantastic, you know. But things are good and um, I'm enjoying life. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, there we are, Paul Gascoigne, and I'm sure you enjoyed that. I know I did, and it was great to hear him sounding so well. Um, I really do wish him well. It's uh, it's always difficult with Paul because you never know what's going to going to come next. But um, he really is uh, a special guy for me, anyway. And uh, and I'm sure you enjoyed that interview. And another great guy that I knew at Everton was uh, what I call the real captain at Everton, Dave Watson. What a what a special fella he was around the dressing room, around the club. And of course, on the pitch in particular. Um, well, I caught up with Dave. He's uh, up in the northeast, strangely enough, uh, in a strange link, uh, up in Newcastle. And uh, I spoke to him this week about his time with the Blues. Okay, I'm going to take you right back, Dave, to the beginning at Everton. I think it was around nine hundred thousand pounds in '86 that you joined from from uh, Norwich. You'd had a really good time at Norwich, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah. Norwich City's been absolutely fantastic for me. Um, the had they had the manager, Ken Brown, who was a, an ex-centre-half himself. And, you know, he, he gave me lots of good tips in, in football and helped me to become a better defender. Um, but the, the main thing was I got really, you know, great game time there. Uh, I had five magnificent seasons at Norwich. Um, and within them five seasons, we had two relegations, two promotions. And we won the, eight, won the Cup as well, won the League Cup as well. 
So it was a magnificent experience being being down at Norwich City, yeah. So I think you came with a big reputation. I think there was a lot of people looking at you. Was were there ever other clubs involved trying to sign you before Everton did? Um, there was lots of rumours going about, um, but you know I, I never heard anything. Um, I never actually got a phone call. Um, but I think there would have been a little bit of interest because I was also involved in the England squads at the time, um, and I'd, I'd made my debut for England against Brazil um, and got a, got a few other games, you know, um, which was great. It just so happened that Bobby Robson um, at the time was managing Ipswich, um, so he obviously seen quite a bit of, of Norwich City playing, um, and it, it possibly just um, just gave me a little bit of a nudge to get into the squad. Mm. Um, and when it, when you arrived at Everton, I guess coming into you know the sort of previously the champions, I think the year before, you know the season you came in, um, was that a daunting daunting sort of prospect to come to you know someone who just recently become champions? Um, yeah, it was. It was, um, it was. it was a big move for me. I mean, I had gone to sort of Norwich City just to sort of you know be, become a better player, but to then get you know transferred to the to the champions like it was um it was a, a really big jump for me um but it was one that you know I, I was always prepared to sort of give it me best and um you know things turned out okay yeah i think that's probably an understatement isn't it <laughs> um, what, what what was it like in the squad at that point what how difficult was it to come into you know i bet, I bet you looked around especially from being yeah. from liverpool you must have looked around yeah well, thought, I mean, the, well the competition you know Derek mountfield was playing um kevin ratcliffe was the, the captain of the team and Derek had scored all kinds of goals i mean i wasn't a great goal scorer from center back but you know Derek seemed to chip in with maybe member to the squad um, but I think at the time Derek had also had one or two knee injuries um, and I think that's that's why they, they brought me in and it just so happens once I, once I got there um, I think Derek may have had a, a little bit of an injury and I got a chance to, to get me debut. And on that season, I mean, people people often don't talk about that second championship type side, you know, as much as the first one. But it was it was a it was a great side, wasn't it? In many ways, you know, there were people there that you you know that you weren't really expecting to come through and do what they did. And and I think it took a lot of people by surprise, didn't it? That that yeah, squad. it was. Um, you know, it was likes of um, Wayne Clark coming in from you know throughout the season and scoring vital vital goal at Arsenal to give us give us a win late on in the season. Um, like Paul Power, you know, Paul had come as possibly you know to fill some some gaps in from um, from Manchester City. Um, we had we had a really good a good team with a tremendous a tremendous spirit about it. You know, it was a really um, a real you could feel the sort of um, the work that was going on for each other and everyone was battling for each other and it was a team, you know, it was no sort of two or three individuals that was were taking it by the scruff of the neck, it was a, a full team performance. Mm. And was that down to Howard, do you think? Yeah, I mean, Howard has, has everything to do with it, you know, Howard, Howard put the squad together, um, you know, the, he, he brought he brought people in who one or two people were questioning, but Howard knew how to get the best out of players, um, and you know with fantastic coaching Colin Harvey as well, um, which was which was the mainstay of it really. You know, uh, they worked absolutely magnificent together. 
Uh, I spoke to Colin just a few weeks ago, actually, and, and he talked about the time just after that title win inside, um, when, of course, he took over. Um, and he talked about maybe it being not the right decision for him to do that. You know, he didn't really take to management as such. Did you know that as players at the time? Did you feel that? Um, I think I think it is a little bit difficult, you know, from um, from one one day you sort of you, he's got to keep on top of the group of players, Colin, which he did magnificently. And you know, he's in players' faces and he's, he's telling people off if they're not doing things right. Whereas the managers are more of a more of a person who'll put their arm around players and give them a little bit of encouragement. You know, if something wasn't right, Colin would be right in your face and. You know, when when we didn't get results, you know, it, it, the frustration, you know, that Colin showed was, it was it was fantastic to see because he was so concerned, and um, that's what Colin was. And maybe it was, you know, a little bit of a wrong move to go into management at that time. Mm. I mean, he talked about not being able to sleep properly, and you know, because he was so stressed about, yeah. about you know, doing yeah. that. I mean, and that is that is the way football gets you around, and you know, whether you're a player or a manager. This is this, these are the things you go through, and you lie awake all night, and you you should have done this, and I should have done that, um, and it really does it. It does get to you, and and before you know it, um, the next game comes around, and then you're off, you're off again, and if you're going through a, a bad run of um, results, it, you know you just you just feel as if you're sinking and sinking all the time. You know your personal life as well as the football, mm. and 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 that. I guess that squad then sort of started to break up. There was there was there was a big change, wasn't there, in the whole sort of look of Everton at that point? Yeah, I think um, we had, had the likes of Pat Nevin come in, Tony Coffey come in around that uh, that time, Neil Macdonald. Um, yeah, there was quite sort of big changes um, and sort of one or two one or two players that you know you possibly wouldn't have thought was an Everton-type player because Everton was full of passion and desire and um, challenges and winning winning headers and stuff like this. And, and then we had a, what you would class as one or two um, different types of player coming, um, which was a little bit unusual, really. Mm-hmm. But, you, I mean, in 1990, and you know, you're still finishing sixth place, you're still up there, you're still challenging, yeah. you topped the table, I think, that season, you know. I mean... Um, you know what? What was it like then? What was it? What what sort of a club was it then? Did you feel different? Because you've obviously experienced straight away massive success by winning the title. Yeah, I think. Um, well, as you say, there was, there was one or two players sort of moving on. Um, we, we lost what Gary Stevens, Trevor Stevens had moved on. Um, yeah, and it, it was just it seemed like a team rebuilding project that seemed to go on. For far too many years than it should have. Um, we just never really had a settled team uh, for a number of years. And then, of course, Joe Royal came. You know, uh, how big a change was that for everybody? Well, um, it, it was a massive change. Uh, Mike Walker had been in charge, um, and things weren't turning out. And when Joe came through the doors with Willie Donaghy, it was like a breath of fresh air. It really was. I mean, Joe's just got. Um, Joe's got that big, big smile and face, and he's got the sense of humour, um, and you know, he's, the desire to to get players to play uh, was fantastic. Um, and you know, every, everyone just sort of took to Joe and Willie. Um, the training methods were fantastic. There was no sort of no messing about. You were flat at it. Um, you know, it mightn't have been for longer periods. 
he might be in training for a shorter period, but everything was really high intensity, and uh, the players really enjoyed it. I'm going to move it forward a bit more, Dave, to the you know 1995, and obviously, you know, we, we, I mean, we looked at, we talked about the dogs of war and all the rest of it, and that team, and and Joe had sort of got this fantastic spirit in the place, hadn't he? And then, and yeah. then up comes '95 and that cup run. I mean, comparing with the league title and everything, it, it just feels to me as if that meant as much to you as, or even possibly more as captain, you know, than that 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 title winning season. Yeah, I mean. I mean, the title, don't get me wrong, is the big one. Um, and it's absolutely magnificent to have, to have won a title. But when you when you get to Wembley and you've got a chance of winning an FA Cup, um, or, or when you've, you're starting off the FA Cup run, the, the little dream's always at the end of it. You know, many years, you, you're not going to get it, you're not going to get it again. But we just had a good feeling that year that we had a, we had a really decent squad that was, you know, everyone was pulling for each other. And um, we thought we had a, a little bit of a chance. Um, the, the draws we got were, were really good draws. We had like that, and it was a derby away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bristol City, Norwich, Newcastle, Spurs, and then you know Man United in the final. So earlier on, we had some decent games. Um, in fact, we actually actually got absolutely battered at Bristol City, and we yeah. come away winning one nil. So you know we had a little bit of luck along the way as well. But once we got to the Newcastle, um, where I chipped in with a goal, yep. and then Spurs, which was magnificent up at Elland Road, where we'll be seen to just fill the ground. It was absolutely unbelievable to support. And then you know the final against Man United, where not an awful lot of people gave us a chance. Where does that game against Tottenham? We've been talking about it lately on the podcast. Where does it sort of sit with you in your memory? Because it was such a special day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, Certainly, you know, you look at the, the best five games, four or five games, that's, that's up there with them. Because, you know, at the time it was um, Sheringham and Klinsman mm-hmm. and, you know, Tottenham was on the way to Wembley again. The old Rosie Idealist song was coming back out. <laughs> and um, we, we, we just we just outfought them on the day and we, we played some fantastic football and scored some great goals. And um, I, the, thing that, the thing that really bugged me that day was they got a penalty that was shouldn't have been a penalty and that was the only goal we conceded on the FA Cup run. So that piddled me off a little bit. But um, I got over it eventually. Yeah, about uh, an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and you look at, and of course the win, you know, when it, you know we look at people, the characters in the side at that point and we obviously, you know, you think about Daniel Amakachi and, and Duncan, yeah. you know, in those yeah. ways, but also Neville Southall, you know, at that time, and it's yeah. particularly in the final, was just incredible, wasn't he? Oh, he, he was brilliant. You know, he made some really crucial saves um, when we win on 1-0. Um, and, and, you know, big Neville just turned around and said, that's my job. Uh, but, but, you know, we, he was, we were uh, really needed him on, on that day and he performed. He, there was never any doubt he wasn't going to perform. You know, that's just the way Neville is. But, yeah, a couple of uh, magnificent saves later on in the game, which sort of kept us in it. But, you know, the, the battle and spirits of, um, you know, your Barry Horns and Joe Parkinson's mm-hmm. um, in the midfield area um, was absolutely amazing. And uh, and then for, for Paul Rise out to, to get the goal. Yeah, so a magnificent day was had by all. Yeah, and, and a man of the match performance by uh, Mr. Watson. Yes, the man of the match performance, um, which you know, I, I, I don't 
it doesn't bother me man of the match or not man of the match and the result was the result's more important in any game anyway um, but it, yeah it was nice to get and um, it's, you know I've, I've still got it still polish it up now and again but what was the mentality going into that game Dave because I, I remember going up I was actually watching as a fan in the um, in the Olympic gallery you know this was the season before I actually joined the club as press officer but you know, we went in there and we didn't really believe, you know, we didn't, we, we hoped, you know, as we always did, but we didn't really believe. But but you got the sense that the players actually did, you know. and uh, Yeah, it, it was a, a great team spirit. You know, we we sort of had a, had a decent season. Um, so, you know, we knew we, we could perform against against good sides. And I think, you know, once the, te- the team sheet came through um, and there they was one or two players not playing who we expected to play Cantona, I think, was he suspended, and uh, Kanchelskis was out cold, was cup tired, gigs, you know. So it, it gives um, it gives a, a little bit more of hope, um, you know, that we that we needed. And and when you when you looked at that um, team sheet, if they'd have been in the team, you know, things may have been a little bit different. But it's it that gives us a little bit of a boost as well. And and then of course the next season again, you know, things changed at Goodison again, you know, under you know, under your time there. You've seen a few changes and, and things changed again. I mean, they got a great press officer at the club, as you know. Um, no, but you know, the likes of Gary Speed, Craig Short, Kanchelskis, these people started to come into the club as well, didn't they? So yeah. you know, you had to adapt again to well, you did with the new partner with Craig Shores, of course. going to say it's very different isn't it the centre-half job now uh, you know no one what they used to say gets rid do they anymore no they don't you know and, and when I see it I mean with the young kids now um, you know I've been at Newcastle Academy for seven getting on eight years I think now um, and and you know this is what we're trying to teach them playing out from the back and but it's about making the right decision and the more right decisions you make you know the, the further you're going to go on in the game and if, if you try and dribble in your own box and you get the ball taken off you you know you've got to understand that they're going to score a goal um, and there's lots of young kids get frustrated by it and if you know they worry about it if they give the ball away and they can see the goal um, but they're looking more long term you know you're looking at the three years down the line for when they're playing in really big games and hopefully they'll have been taught the right things to do by them Did it frustrate you as a coach you know teaching kids in the last few years does that frustrate you that you can't just say to them get rid or you know whatever I mean I don't want to you know I don't want to do this because Central, yeah, central it, Defenders it, it, could it play before It doesn't frustrate me it, it is the way it is and you know with the certain philosophies at different football clubs mm. um, some clubs you know wouldn't be too concerned about playing out. You don't have to play out um, at Newcastle. You know we did like to, to to play out and encourage people to get on the ball at the back and play through the thirds, um, and that and that's what that's what we've done. But you know the, it's it's difficult enough when you're a senior pro and when you're the young kid doing it. Um, believe me, you know there's there's one or two mistakes that you 
just going back to, I mean, you mentioned Craig Short there before. I remember one particular really good story about you and, and Craig and a derby when he got a particularly nasty bang and uh, went to the floor, if you can remember that one. Yeah, I thought he got smashed on the head, didn't he? And he was, I think he's just, I think he must be knocked unconscious or something. I mean, I, I was no sort of expert of um, how, how to recover these people. And I just walked up to him and said, sure, you're okay, you're okay. And he said, I don't know where I am. I said, just keep dancing. You're in the disco, you're in the concert, just keep dancing, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did. I think sure, it... he, he didn't have a clue where he was, honestly. He, <laughs> I mean, it. We got away with it, sure, he got, got up and I think he played on and stuff like that, but, you know, it could have been a bad injury, yeah. but, I mean, I didn't know what to say to him. He could take a knockdown, uh, Craig, he couldn't just, he? he? You know what, he was shuffling about on the floor, and, <laughs> and I'd seen sure in one or two um, one or two discos along the way doing the same types of moves, so I wasn't too sure what, what was up with him, to be honest. <laughs> Um, but uh, again, I mean, you know, Joe eventually went, and I remember the day when when we were all a bit shocked, you know, that that Joe had left the club, um, and then of course Howard returned. But before that, uh, there was a moment when you were uh, you were made into the manager for a few games, weren't you? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I, I just got a phone call off Peter Johnson, um, and you know, he was asking the question, would I, would I like to take over the club for the remaining seven games? Um, I mean, you know what? I didn't even know what the last seven games were. I had a rough idea of a few games coming up, um, but I didn't realise what the last seven games. I just said, yeah, of course I would. You know, who who would turn that down? Um, and then I got home and I had a look at the fixtures. I think within the last seven games we had sort of, I think like Villa, Leicester, Spurs, Liverpool, uh, West Ham, Sunderland, Chelsea. So we had you know some really really tough games there. Um, but fortunately for us, you know, we got we got enough points and, and and we stayed up in the division. But it was it was a great experience. Um, you know, it wasn't as if the transfer market was open and we could bring players in. It was just a case of getting on with what you've got. And um, Willie Donner, he was working alongside us. Um, and Willie's you know a great experienced lad, so it, it worked out well. Um, but it was a breath of fresh air, you know, as soon as the um, staying in the, the division was sort of announced. Yeah. Mm. I I, uh, I remember that time. You probably have probably heard me tell this story, but I, I I was at Belfield with Peter Johnson on the morning after Joe went, and and he said um, he said he's down looking at the you know the who was going to take over as 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 temporary manager for the rest of the season and and I said who are you thinking and he said Neville Southall and Dave Watson he said it's between one of those two and uh, just as we were talking Neville pulled up in his car uh, walked past me and the chairman and said all right Myers you fat ba-. and I wouldn't say what he said but he, he he called me that name and the chairman just said it's down to one so you know <laughs> Neville's ch- Neville's chance of possibly being the manager for seven games had gone but, I mean that's Neville though isn't it yeah, but it is. Neville, and if you know Neville as long as we've known him, and that, yeah. that I think that would have been just old, don't you? Yeah. But I can imagine, um, I can imagine Peter Johnson not seeing it, not seeing it as the funny <laughs> side. Like. No, did you get the Did you get the bug? Because I remember coming up and, and and speaking to you about, and you didn't really want to know about the media side of all that, and you know, you, you just wanted to get out there and coast. I mean, I think a lot of it was probably down to the fact that the. The big job that was in hand, you know, because there was a real threat, wasn't there? You know, of relegation and. Oh, and without doubt, yeah. Did you get the bug was. though uh, during those seven games? I think I think during that time as well, Paul Rydell had gone out to China. China, that's Paul right. Was playing in China, and Paul 
Paul didn't even like going on an easy jet flight to Ireland. <laughs> you know, he was a bag of nerves on that. And he'd gone to China. Um, apparently, he was just like taking tablets just to get him through the trip. And then I've had to ring him to bring him back because we had a shortage of players. Right. And, <laughs> and the words that were said to me down the phone, like off his wife, was, we can't put him through this again. And, and it, it was unbelievable just to think I'm asking the player to come back and help the football club that's mm. paying his wages and that. Mm. But luckily enough, he come back and he come back for the Tottenham game and we actually won the game 1-0. Right. Uh, and that, that sort of, you know, that told us that we were going to be sort of okay in the division. But um, and of course, then Howard came back, didn't he, for his third time? And and uh, you know, I think we, we've said a lot about that season over the last few weeks. But that season was a really tough time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know what? Um, I, I don't know what what finance, the financial situation was. You know, was there any possibility of Howard bringing players in, or did he just have to work with what what he's got? Um, and I think that was more more the case that you know, it's not a case of bringing players in and we're giving you so much money to spend it was just a case of go in and, and see if you can just generate a little bit of enthusiasm and fight um, out of the team to, to you know get them going again yeah. uh, but it was, it was tough on Howard as well you know by this time obviously you know Howard's a few a few years down the line and things have changed a little bit um, and you know it, it didn't work it didn't work and you know some managers don't like going back to the club once, you know, once after they've left. Um, but, you know, I, I think Howard was three times, was he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three times, yeah. yeah. And I remember, if we just fast forward to that game, that last game against Coventry, I mean, the, the whole... The whole club, you'll remember, the whole club was was just so nervous, and so I mean, we talk about when you were when you were manager there, but it was nothing like the last few weeks. I don't think was it for, in that season, um, and I always remember, and I'll never forget this. Um, after that game, when the relief was just it just exploded, the relief in everybody. I remember yeah. sitting in the away dressing room. You might not remember this, but with you and your dad, and you were singing songs. I don't know if you remember that, and it was just the relief of of oh, being yeah. safe. I'm not a very great singer, by the way. I you probably found out, but yeah. it really was. Honestly, it was, it was massive, massive occasion. You know, ever in the top flight for since football started, and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, there's a, there's a real possibility that you're going to be relegated. Um, just you know, it was just a very difficult to sort of get your head around it. Mm. Um, Gareth, Gareth Farley was it? Gareth Farley right. got the goal, wasn't it? Yeah, he did, yeah. One, well, 1-1 one, one it was. I think Dion one, Dublin yeah, scored an equaliser right, yeah. and we um, missed a penalty. And, and you know, we were all right because of that. But just as a you know, you know the fact I remember seeing you singing with your dad that night, and and like the family thing, and and the fact that you know how it affects footballers, and I think sometimes yeah. the fan can't see that you know all the time, you know, not that they should, but but they don't see that sort of human side of it. I mean, the nerves were were, were shot, weren't they, that day? Did it affect you as a player that day? Um, it, it doesn't affect. It doesn't. I that a lot of experience up, up until then, Alan, mm. and I think I, I was a bit more equipped than, you know, quite a few lads, so I, I really got my head around what needed to be done, and not 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 thinking about, you know, what if we don't do this, or what if we yeah. don't do that, it was all about what we're going to do, and if we do it, you know, we'll win the game, or we'll certainly keep the club up in the division, 
is the worst worst it gets. Mm. Yeah, you you were very much not a worrier if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. But but again. You know, moving on again, Dave. It was change again, wasn't it? With with Walter and Archie coming in, but I think there was a, a forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a bit of a special bond between you, Walter and Archie. Yeah, it was just um, you know two really good football people. Um, you know, Walter and Archie did they had so much success where they'd been up in Scotland and with the, the national team, they'd, they'd done well, and um, they were just lovely people. Really was, you know, and we just talked to them straight away. Um, they they were great great with us. They looked after us, and um, you know we're still keeping touch with them. You know today, mm-hmm. um, more so Archie than Walter, um, and yeah, great people, very good people. Yeah, and what was that period like under them for you? Um, it was a bit difficult. If you, if you sort of look back, I think you know Walter brought some really good players in. Um, you know, you Matarazzi to court, mm-hmm. John Collins come in. No, no, you're right. I mean, those were the those were the ones, weren't they? In that in that yeah, first they were, season, they were really big hitters, and you know, they were, they were really good players. Um, and I don't know whether it was the start of like um, the, the foreign players, you know, coming over, and uh, the English players still had a little bit of, of you know to come over to take our place, and mm. and it was like two dressing rooms, you know. Got got sent off, and uh, went and sat down and, and began to cry at the side of the pitch. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to get Dave Watson's take on that. What were you thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking? Uh, he, 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 the poor lad was after a bit of sympathy, wasn't he? And I think in Italy he must have sort of got people sort of putting his arm around him and yeah. telling them, you know, how good a player he is and all this. But he was sitting at the side of the pitch with his back against the crowd, and I think the crowd was slapping on the head and everything because he'd been sent off you know and he wasn't getting no sympathy whatsoever yeah. I think I think the police had to sort of pick him up and walk him, walk him down the tunnel well Walter turned to me and he went Myers go and get him you know and I thought I'm uh, no, not going I up know. there to get him left him there he'd been all sorts going on Thankfully, the police, as you say, brought him down before I had to go. You know, but um, but no, yeah. it, it was a great. They were, you know, that was a lot of my time at the club with Walter and Archie. There was a great spirit around the dressing room, though, at that time, wasn't it? Was. You know, as yeah. much, you, know. you know what, Alan? If you get the spirit right at a football club, mm. um, you don't have to have the best players. If you have, you know, mm. all the better. But we, if you've got a good team spirit going and a bunch of players who really get on with each other, it's amazing how far how far you can take you. Do you think that's something that Everton today needs as well? And, and it looks as if it looks as if it's starting to come. You know, I've been looking at the squad late last few weeks, and you see a little bit of camaraderie, you see a bit of spirit. Do you think that that is something that that would really make a difference at the moment? Oh, without doubt, there's there's no two ways about that. That'd be um, it's fantastic. You, you're enjoying going into work each day. You, you love the lads you work and we um, and and you need to socialise as well with them. I'm not saying go out and have ten pints or anything like that, but you need to socialise and go out and have meals with the families and stuff like that. And it brings a really good togetherness. It really does. Mm. And, and then, of course, 
once you left there, how difficult was the decision to leave Everton? Because I remember, you know, at the time, and and I think when you'd just taken over at Tranmere and uh, Walter was ringing you from the team bus and, and giving you a load of stick down the phone and everything, you know, so obviously it was yeah. still a great a great feeling between yourself and the club. And But was it a difficult decision to say, right, you know, that's me, I'm done at Everton? Um, it, it, was, it wasn't too difficult, to be fair, because, you know, I... I'd been at Everton, I think it was 14 years yeah, or something. Um, and, you know, the next step for me was going into management or, or coaching. And I wanted to have a go at it mm. um, to see if to see if I liked it. Um, and Tramia Rovers being on the doorstep, I still have, I've got four kids who are still at schools and universities, whatever it is at that stage. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really want to be dragged out of the area. And it, it just seemed to fit in with me, the Tramia Rovers job. Um, so... I, you know, I applied for it, and I obviously got I got the job and that. Um, but it, it was a great experience. You know, we sort of um, we we didn't actually get promotion where we were, were hoping to get promotion. I think we finished about eighth or something. Um, missed out on the playoffs, um, but but the whole experience of it was great as far as um, the management side goes. But you had a forty percent win rate there as well, so you couldn't have done too badly. Is that what it was? I didn't even know that myself. Mm. But um, no, it, it was it was it was great. I really enjoyed it, and you know we, we had a, we had a good bunch of lads there. And uh, you know Clint Hill, he, he went on and done, done great for himself in the game. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. Mm. And then obviously coaching, you, you know, still in you. You know, it, did you enjoy coaching better than the sort of management side then? Um, I en- I enjoyed being in with the lads. You know what I mean? So yeah, the coaching side from that point of view. Is, is because you're mingling with the lads and you know the, the manager sort of just keep, takes a step back and he's, he's overseeing things um, so yeah I did like to, to be in amongst amongst the lads and that uh, and that, that's why I sort of got into the co- coaching side and just I'm oh, sorry I was going to say to bring it right up to date you've sort of just finished at Newcastle I think haven't you what, what, what's your plans now Have you will you go back um, in I've, I've just um, retired at the end of the season I give me notice in sort of halfway through the season Um like I'm getting on to 58 now, so I'm still in decent condition, touch wood, um, and I've got lots of things I want to do, and I don't want to get to the end of uh, my coaching career when I'm 65, or and then I can't, can't get about as much as I'd want to. So I want to get out because I feel the time's right, um, and, and go and do what I want to do. That's a nice way to do it, you know, it's a nice way to be. But what we always do, Dave, if, if you'll indulge me, is we do a thing called the uh, the quick fire challenge, the quick fire quiz. Uh, and what I do, I ask you about 20 questions and yeah. you, you need to answer them very, very quickly, you know. So so Neville Southall, I think, was 32 seconds or something. So, um, so they have to come straight off the top of your head, so we'll start if that's OK. OK, uh, teammate you trusted the most? Kevin Ratcliffe. Opponent you avoided the most? Mick Harford. <laughs> Favourite boots? Puma. Uh, manager or coach you had the most respect for? Howard. Uh, manager or coach that you wished you'd have played for? Alex Ferguson. Oh. Uh, Favourite away dressing room? Man United. <laughs> Opposition fans that gave you most stick? Oh, I've got hammers everywhere. Um, <laughs> Sunderland. Really? Uh, a position that you'd have played if not your own? Right back. All oh, right, OK. Uh, biggest mistake you made in your career? 
goal against Derby from a header on match of the day every week when I started. <laughs> okay, best decision you made in your career? Best decision um, was moving to Norwich City. Okay, uh, most prized football possession that you have? Medal. Okay. Uh, the club you could have joined but didn't? Um, I never had much choices. Um, when Reed was at Man City, there were rumours of Man City. Oh, okay. Uh, a player that you'd pay to watch? Pay to watch. Um, Harry Kane. Love it. Okay. A player that Everton should have bought in your time? Ryan Giggs. Oh, love it. Uh, the thing you hate most about football? Negative people. Okay. The thing you most like about football? Positive people. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the best goal you ever scored for Everton? Now, I know which one this is, but... Yeah, the left foot shot from our Arsenal. Oh, OK. I was going for the Liverpool one at Anfield in the Cup. Right. Uh, the most important one was probably that one, but the, the left foot at our um, Arsenal was most probably the best. All right, love it. Uh, if you weren't a footballer, what sport or other sport would you play? Um, I'd most probably play rugby. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, the biggest lesson that you learned in the game? Not to get too disheartened. Mm. Okay. And then the final one, how would you like to be remembered as an Everton player? As a wholehearted player, you always give his best. Just to finish the interview then, Dave, um, so... Uh, when you look back on your career at Everton, you know what what moments sort of stick out. Like, you know that. I mean, obviously, was it the winning the titles? Was it winning the cup? Um, they obviously stick out, Alan. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, the first season was a really magnificent season. You know, winning the championship mm. um, and, and clinching it at the old club, Norwich City. Yeah. So you know that that just made it a little bit more special. Um, and then going from there to But, but, but what did Everton? What did Everton give you? Is it you know sort of Everton is a is a it, you know when I speak to ex players they talk about Everton being a special club and did yeah. you did you get that? Yeah, it's a, it's like a family club. You know, as soon as you walk in the door, it's um, you know meetings and greetings and um, everyone's everyone sort of wants to look after each other and um, like a real family atmosphere. It was the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, there we are, Dave Watson. And uh, again, it's been uh, quite a really enjoyable um, uh, podcast this week. I've really enjoyed speaking to the likes of Gaza and, uh, of course, Waggy. Um, great memories, great times. And, of course, a really exciting time as an Evertonian, isn't it, with new players coming in. Um, let's see what happens with the transfer window. Uh, unfortunately, I think I'll be at Burnley on uh, Thursday. Uh, but... Um, uh, let's see what happens as far as new signings come in. But until then, I hope you enjoyed Podcast 7 and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next one. For now, up the toffees. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.